0: Water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
1: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. 0-1 South Carolina has two more wins than rushing yards. Tiger basketball season is only 57 days away. Clemson is 0-1, and life is a cruel, cruel mistress. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Jarrett. We are here to recap Clemson's 28-7 loss to Duke and figure out what the hell happened. Guys, welcome back. Um, Thought for the show tonight... You know, we've we've got a lot of uh, a lot of feelings about this one. We've obviously been um, chatting quite a bit about this um, through the podcast team chat. Um, I thought for tonight's show, like we definitely want to get into the broader program, you know, state of the program right now that could lead to this result in week one. Um, but I think it's important that we actually do go back into this Duke game. We're not going to do our typical show where we break it all down and you know uh, do offense, defense, special teams and uh, what it means. We're going to be pretty brief on the Duke piece. Um, I propose we also then talk about the 2023 season. You know what this loss means. What our outlook is for the rest of the way. What adjustments we think can be made. Uh, but really, this is about how do we find ourselves here, not only 0 and 1. You know, you can get over a first week loss, but the manner in which it happened, what we saw on the field, con- contrasted with what we were told to expect about this Clemson team. I think. That's where we want to spend most of our time tonight. And let's talk about what this means long-term for the program. Um, before we get started, how are you guys feeling a couple days removed from this game?
0: Um, sad, despondent. Um, tired of hearing Coach speak. Um, I have to yeah. say, that's probably... I mean, my initial reaction to that game was that's the most embarrassing loss in the Dabo era since the West Virginia Orange Bowl game. And what stings even more with this one is that it's the first game of the season and we have to go through with the rest of the season. Like there's no offseason to decompress and, you know, get hyped up again and look look forward to a new season. Like we're having to move forward this season with all the glaring weaknesses that we saw out there on, on Monday night and wondering if we're going to be able to improve upon that. Now, at the same time, um, I think if you're going to lose one game in a season, the best game to lose is the first game of the year. Um, So there we are. (laughs) And if we win uh, every regular season game from here on out, we're going to play in the ACC championship game. We're going to have the opportunity to go to the college football playoff. Um, But that seems like a very far-fetched reality, given what we saw on Monday night.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't feel so good, Mr. Sweeney, is my feelings after the game. It was, at first, it was a little surprising. And then as the game went on, it was just, I wasn't even mad. I was just surprised and then I wasn't. And then things started to look familiar. And then I was more confused on different parts of the team, uh, you know, acting you know, not blocking or bad angles. I think overall it was just um, kind of like a gut check, like, wow, are we really at this place again? You know, having lost four of our last seven um, it doesn't feel
1: good. And I know that we're going to uncover a lot of that. So I'll save it for the rest of the show. And guys, we're not that far removed from our season preview. And I know we spent about 30 seconds of that show talking about the bear case for the season, like worst case scenario, like if this thing does go wrong, what does that look like? I don't even know that we put a ton of thought into what we said, what our comments were in that, in that little section, I'll probably dig that back up and just see, see what our prediction was there. Um, but man, it sure, it sure felt like you could see that coming through, um, not just in the game itself, but for the result of the season, Cade not Cade club not necessarily being able to step into that role, um, you know, replacing DJ and defense up front, not really gelling um, wide receivers, not improving in play. So we'll obviously get into the Duke game and like broader, broader themes. But um, Ben, I think just on the coach speak for a minute, there's a difference between Dabo, you know, criticizing in private and praising in public with his team and him just, you know, reciting some stats and saying it was a weird game, right? Like there's just, there's just a big difference. I think you can say, like, we were embarrassed by that performance. So we're going to do better without, like, destroying your team's morale, right? So, I yeah. think there's some middle ground there.
0: And the fact that, like, the stats were the first thing that came out, like, in this post-game presser. Um, you know, we've never lost a game when we rushed for over 200 and and passed for over 200 yards. Like, not only in Davos' tenure, but, like, the entire history of and <laughs> football. 108-0. Um, yeah. and so that's just another one of those things. And I said this in real time during and after the game, um, this all comes down to coaching. Um, and it all comes down to the head coach. Um, and we can get into what all that means, but I have never seen a—I mean, I'm sure I have, but it's very, very rare that I've seen a Clemson team just so ill prepared and come out with a lack of intensity and focus uh for a game as we saw in this one and you know we we got to give duke credit they were a nine and four team last year which is very good by duke standards i know their their schedule wasn't you know incredibly difficult last year but still you know nine and four and they were in you know by the looks of it even even more improved team this year they returned a lot of starters they're a lot more experienced but at the end of the day it's still duke football and that you know, yes, it could have been a fourteen-point win by Clemson. It also, could have been a twenty-eight to nothing loss for Clemson. Um, so, yeah, just the disappointment in in seeing how the team came out, how they executed, or the lack of execution during the game. The 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 clear and obvious lack of player development. Um, yeah, again, I, to, to me, it all goes back to to the coaching and the head coach, and I think. You know, we'll see how we need to see how the rest of the season plays out. I don't think by any means should we give up on it yet. There's still a lot um, left to be accomplished ahead, and it's certainly you like to think it's possible. Um, but as you know, I mentioned in the the season preview, you know, I want to see it on the field with this team before I buy into it.
2: Yep, yeah, it's uh, discombobulated was the word that I kept saying at the bar and oh I thought you just just looked
0: drunk okay
2: (laughs) I actually quit drinking thankfully I was picked a great time to do that um discombobulated was the word and I totally just uh it 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 was as if somebody wrote a fan fiction about the worst possible game that Clemson could have and then made it happen because we all watch you know bama versus what whoever and you're like oh they're on the goal line it'd be so funny if they just fumbled the ball they fumbled the ball and then it ha- it's like that happened to us multiple times and picks and tip balls and you know just all this stuff it was like oh what if they tackle both of his legs and then he still makes a 40-yard touchdown run so um yeah my bear case for the season in the preseason is now my bull case for the season
1: i mean let's within the Duke game guys, like I, I want to address like Ben, you, you talked about a couple bounces of the ball. Clemson could have, you know, come away with a sizable margin of victory here or could have looked a lot worse. You know, if they don't get that uh, muffed punt, if some of those Cade balls that were very prone were picked off, um, Duke definitely could have scored, uh, scored more points. I think they had a, a couple stuffed drives as well that uh, resulted in turnovers. So um I guess the question is like, was this just a fluke and a couple bounces? We're talking about a gritty Clemson win. Um, that may, Obviously that could have played out. I just think there are deeper issues that we saw here. And Ben, you talked about lack of intensity or effort. Um, it's not like you saw that like every down of the entire game, but there's just wasn't that like killer instinct for this team. And it just looked like they weren't ready for this game, which um, I mean, man, so much hype coming out of camp. I mean, I, 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 just, I just can't really square the two things, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I'm just here kind of still looking for answers, and we won't get them until we honestly see this team play against Florida State at this point.
0: Yeah, um, and that's the other disappointing thing, is that for the next two weeks, Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic, like if we beat them 70, nothing great. We're not going to learn anything about this team. Um, the only, thing, right. only way we'll learn about them is if, you know, it's 30 to 3 or something like that, right, and they just come out. Looking flat again. So you're right. We have to deal with this into Florida State. And that's scary going into that game after seeing what Florida State did to LSU. Now terrifying. we'll see LSU play a couple more games and Florida State yeah, and between it, now and LSU then. LSU is that-
1: missing some guys like due to suspensions and other stuff. So and it you know, that was a game that just like the Duke score, they, they poured it on really late. The margin of victory is bigger. A couple bounces of, of the ball go LSU used way early. But um anyway, yeah. Like maybe Florida State's not as dominant as they looked. We are likely not as bad as we looked. Either way, though, that is that is a team firing on all cylinders at this point, and Clemson is far Mm -hmm. from it.
0: Well, and the thing that still has me somewhat optimistic about the rest of the season um, and us not ending up with four or five losses um, in the regular season um, is that you know our our three toughest games are all at home: Florida State, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Um, and we really probably, I mean, you've got Miami and NC state in there on the road. I don't know who out of those two teams plus Duke is better at this point. Um, I hope Duke is, (laughs) so maybe our, our hardest road, uh, game is, is behind us. Um, but yeah, that, that September 23rd date with Florida state, um, could be something that's, I, I think at that point. We're going to know. I think right now there's still a lot of speculation, and it's hard, you really should never, if you take a step back, judge a team by the first game of the season um, because we've seen a lot of teams go and win national championships that were not so good um, at the beginning.
2: 2014 OSU.
0: 2014 Ohio State did it. 2019 LSU. Um, uh, uh, yeah,
2: 2014 Ohio State lost the opener and then won an the netting.
0: Yeah, and LSU yeah. didn't look that good at the beginning of the season. But um I, I think there's to, to, to even mention Clemson's name um as a potential playoff contender and <laughs> let alone the national championship game, <clears throat> um that we we need to there's just so many other things to focus on to fix than even you know hoping for that.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben, you you talked a little bit about Duke. I, I don't necessarily think there's shame in losing to that Duke team. Uh, very well coached. Mike Elko, is solid. What they took away from Clemson's offense was explosive pass plays, and that's what they're dead set on taking away. Um, and again, they—you mentioned it—they won nine games last year. They handled their business against like a softer schedule. You could say that, um, and they use the transfer portal. Like we won't, you know, if you're playing transfer transfer portal, bingo, we're going to hit it quite a lot tonight. But um, anyway that's not why Duke beat us necessarily. I think this is more about what Clemson didn't bring to the table in this game, but right. you, know, you definitely credit them. They got up for the game. They were the more intensive, intense team and they're hungrier.
0: And um, it's interesting to go back and take a look at the player grades now that it's over because some of the guys that you thought maybe didn't play that well, played better than you, you thought they did. The offensive line definitely kind of got it together in the second half. So there were some, some bright spots, and yeah, at the end of the day, it did come down to to turnovers and on the offense and bad tackling on the defense. Um, and yep, yep. maybe you could chalk that up to rust on the first game of the season. But yeah. it's just really a tough pill to swallow, considering how last season ended too, losing two of our last three, one to South mm-hmm. Carolina, who we had no business losing to, and then a Tennessee team who we could have beaten had we not, you know, shot ourselves in the foot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if we do yeah, a quick good. good. <laughs>
1: That's right um well if we do a quick good the bad the ugly guys um i mean ben you mentioned it like a balanced offense and a solid uh, offensive line effort i thought the running game was really effective most of the night um except you know in the red area uh shipley was really good i thought the run blocking and two back sets were really effective so uh if that's a part of the garrett riley impact like we should give credit where due, you know where he was able to make an impact here um and then maybe the only other you know unequivocal bright spot on this team that I took away from Saturday or sorry Monday was uh, Tamarian Parker T J Parker uh, he looks the part he's a freshman contributor might even be a starter at this point um, so you know hats off to him um, sure. I thought you know you touched on some of the bad with the tackling and the effort on defense I think um, Cade making poor decisions like that continues to be an issue that I would I would chalk that up as a bad. And how about the game plan? No real downfield passing. Um, Jarrett, how many, how many of the passes were 10 plus? Didn't you have a stat about 10 yep. plus yards downfield?
2: So um, of the 43 balls thrown, six of them were thrown past 15 yards and four of them were incompletions. That's pathetic. That's beyond pathetic.
0: And so the question is there, you know, do you chalk that up to the, to the coaches not having confidence in Cade? Um, or the wide receivers and how disappointing they've they've all been, right? Or most of them have been for quite some time. You know, you've got Antonio Williams, who had a great season last year. Um, you know, Tyler Brown looked promising in this game. But then you've got guys like Bo Collins and Adam Randall in the second year and Cole Turner, who Davo's been hyping up, who did not look good in this game. And you're like, where where are the weapons that we're used to seeing from from wide receiver? You, which don't even utter that anymore. Like this this mm. this program. Stop wearing the shirts. So far, embarrassing. From that, yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's just disappointing. the answer is both.
1: The answer is both, man.
0: Yeah, it's, it's both. It's know. just disappointing to see a lack of playmakers, and I think. You know, once we get into tougher teams like Florida State and Notre Dame, um, you know, you're going to need those guys to get separation or at least kind of have the threat of a downfield passing game um, or teams are just going to stuff the run because they know that's all you can do.
1: Yeah, two quick points on kind of this game and the receivers. So um, Bud Elliott, he's on the Cover 3 podcast, talked about he, he noticed Duke was trotting out the type of specific man coverages really putting their corners on islands, against against our receivers, typically those kind of coverages you would only really trust against a team like Clemson. If you had NFL caliber cornerbacks like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state. Um, And we're seeing Duke and Mike Elko trot that out against us. And they were basically daring Kate Klubnick and Adam Randall and Bo Collins to beat them. And we did not only did, did Clemson not, beat their secondary like we weren't even trying to do that uh-huh. and um it's like you know twitter account we reference quite often on here uh dustin black mentioned like don't listen to your coaches watch what they do watch what they do with the play calling and who's playing on the game and who's taking the snaps and the reality is not oh we're really excited about kate's development of these receivers you know establishing the standard and high-powered
0: offense it's
1: we didn't even try to throw the ball downfield on like yeah. very soft man coverage.
0: And to That's hear from really telling and to hear from Dabo prior to the season how this is one of the fastest teams he's ever had. That wasn't a fast team on either side of the ball. Tom Luganville said that on the broadcast. He's like, I can't yeah. tell a speed difference between Duke and Clemson. And either Dabo's uh-huh. just lying to us um, or he's really lost touch. Um, with being able to evaluate his team versus where <laughs> other teams are at in college football right now.
1: I think it's probably a little we more of the former, up. Ben. Like, I just don't – I mean, is that a tactic to pump his guys up?
0: I just – I don't see the, the upside you, in line Why would us. you say that? Like, they're not going to run yeah. faster because of that. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's I've, Patrick,
2: um, obviously. The thing that I'll <laughs> add for Duke – to go back uh, whenever you brought it up was should we feel bad losing to this Duke team? And for me, if this Clemson team is who we were billed that it was supposed to be this year with Riley, with Kate and, you know, everybody's healthy and all the coach speak and player interviews that we all listened to and watched, or maybe it was just me on the propaganda train this off season. But if that's who the team is supposed to be, then we should be absolutely embarrassed because that's a team that sounded like it was going to come in there and hang 45, 50 points on Duke, uh, maybe let him score 20 points, 17 points, something like that. Now, if if this Clemson team is who they most likely are, then I say we should still be embarrassed, but we should feel like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. If we're not going to get out of our own way, then. Or, or do the right coaching let our coaches cook then yeah then that's probably what we're just going to get
0: and, so. and that's the thing like we're not going to know that answer until halfway through the season probably at least we need to see Duke play more games we need to see Clemson play more games and you could you know could be right like maybe Duke's like a two loss regular season team this year um you know they've got Leonard who is a top 20 draft pick probably um it's like, you know, they're saying he's going to be like the third quarterback. Oh, it's going to be like a Daniel Jones, career. right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where and, NFL scouts love him. And yeah. Duke is is better. They Four years ago, they were recruiting 60th ranked in the, in the country. And, you know, last year they were like 48. So <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, getting, they're getting better. And we slipped from like two to ten. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, still a wide gap there. Um, I, I, I can give a little bit of edge to, to Duke for the experience on the team. Um, and then obviously their coaching staff. Um, I mean, what, what Dabo's amassed and put together here at Clemson, as far as the coaching staff is one that, you know, some D three school that just started a football program should really be proud of, but for mm-hmm. a team who's won two national championships within the last decade, to have so many inexperienced coaches on your staff, and to think that is going to work in this era of college football when every other team Nick Saban is just replacing, you know, high level mm-hmm. guys year after year and George is having to do the same thing and then Dabo's just kind of going, you know, to the next grad assistant um that used to play for Clemson um mm-hmm. or college roommates and making them D1 coaches which is to me that's not fair to the to the football players you have on your team that you promise to develop and send them, you know, a lot of them to the NFL.
1: Yeah. I forget who said this. I read about it. Um, Clemson sure does want, you know, the fans and the donors involved in building the program up, but kind of as we make these criticisms, there's not really a a ear for that, which is really interesting. Uh, But anyway, yeah, uh, Ben, like, I think you're right. I think we can examine a little bit more, like when we look how we got in this position. Let's maybe wrap up real quick, just on like the rest of the season. Um, what adjustments coming out of week one we we think is needed if we want to compete against Florida State or for the rest of the season and avoid a 500 team. Um, for me, the ugly in the Duke game, ball control, field goal unit, special team stuff, just really execution things. Um, the reason Phil Maffa fumbled wasn't because Phil Maffa didn't know how to hold a football. It's because the defensive lineman had already broken through the line and put his helmet on the ball as he received that from Cade. That is, you know, goal line wraps up front in practice. They really need to focus on that. I just, I just don't know what they're doing in camp. Um, mm-hmm. You can't say much about the rest of the season for strength and conditioning, but if you've got Barrett Carter out here talking about not being in game shape, after we got our butt kicked against Tennessee and you got nine months to kind of stew on that and not just the coaches kind of get those guys out there and conditioned, but
0: where's that player?
1: Well, yeah, this is a money year for him. And like, where's that player intensity, getting guys out there, you know, not on the team sanction time, but you know, players motivating players and getting guys out there, not singling out Carter. I think just across the board, Clemson looks slow, strength and conditioning. Um, seems to be a big issue. So whatever can be done there, you know, in the remaining weeks of the season, we got to see it. And we looked a lot
0: more finesse on offense than, than, you know, than what you would hope for out of a Clemson offense that, you know, those types that won us national championships. <laughs> yeah, sure. We started driving the ball on him, getting a downfield, got to the red zone, got within the five, but it was getting blown up there. The line of, yeah. Blown up there at the line of scrimmage not being able to, to just run the ball straight down their mouse and get it in the end zone. You know, we had the one touchdown, which was a beautiful play call. I love that. I love the two back sets spoke about that. Um, in the season preview, wanting to see that, I I think Riley is going to bring a lot of creativity to this offense, but he only has to work with what he has to work with, especially from the wide receiver position. I think as, as they did last year, the offensive line will improve and gel as The season goes along. I think they were better game one this year than they were game one last year. I think the running backs are obviously solid. Um, but, yeah, as far as the wide receivers are concerned, I think when you ask, you know, what do we want to see moving forward, no more seniority gets you the start. Put the kids in that give us the best chance to win, you know. You've been saying it for years. Yeah, and, and like, especially when you have Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic coming up, like, I want to see a lot of Tyler Brown. Let's just see what he can do. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really have – I mean, I don't know who the heck is going to be at the – um the boundary in the field position uh, receiver to replace Randall and Bo Collins as your big guys. The depth chart doesn't look great, um, so I don't know. Somebody's going to have to step up, and you just you just hope to see that from somebody. But I'm not can sure. We, can we
1: start by throwing it to Bridging soul Would that yeah yes yeah. start there target,
2: and not, target the Duke, your best not the Duke talent. defender, right? Not straight into the hands of the Duke defender.
0: Yeah, line him up as a wide receiver,
1: and let Riley cook. Yeah. I think that's a big adjustment. (laughs) Let the, let the high powered uh, offensive coordinator call the offense. Um, And yeah, to the point of Cade, you know, them keeping the training wheels on Cade, I just, yeah, you don't want to break his confidence if he's out there just hucking picks like three picks and a half. Um, But what, what are you saving his confidence for then if we're losing this game? Um,
0: I don't get it. I mean, and we have to remember that that was his second collegiate start. I mean, you can almost call the North Carolina one a, a start just because he played so much and played so well in that game. Um, but there's a reason why they they held him last year. Is they kn- they know he's turnover prone, um, yeah. and he's a he's a true sophomore. So the kid's just going to have to get experience. He's going to get comfortable in the pocket. He was he, he was checking down too early, um, getting to uh-huh. the ball too soon, and not standing in there, um. He could definitely stand to put on a little bit more muscle, I think, because um, yeah, yeah. he looked pretty small out there. But we're going to have to give him time. Again, this is not a Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson or Trevor Lawrence type of thing. It's going to take him half of season to to get comfortable, and it's going to cost us a couple losses probably along the way.
1: Let me give you guys a thimble of optimism here. Okay. So Florida State, um, not strong against the run. That is that is their weakness to their defense. Maybe there's a game script. Clemson can get an early lead. Do do clock control with the whole timeout after the first – or sorry, the, the play clock stopping after the um, first down situation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that plays your favor. Um, also, Bud Elliott talked about Duke running a very similar offensive and defensive system as Florida State. Obviously, FSU mm-hmm. has much more, much more athletes. It's going to be more like that on turbo mode. But maybe this is helpful – uh, to a point with Clemson in game prep for FSU. Um, they've got film you know, it, of themselves in the Duke game for what to correct. Uh-huh. Two weeks against much lesser opponents. I mean, I kind of would love to have Syracuse or Georgia Tech before Ford, Florida State, but we won't. Um, uh-huh. And then I also think LSU was able to move it down the field through the air. So I also have questions about Florida State's secondary. Now, Florida State's defensive line with Pat, like, penetration in the passing game like our o-line is gonna have to play a career game for us to have any any hope of keeping kate upright but um you know i think that they are are prone and i think an fsu game script that plays well for clemson is like a high scoring one um unless mm-hmm. it's one where we could just dominate on the ground
0: yeah but all right you say that that florida state was allowing lsu to throw the ball through the air down the field, but that was with lsu's wide receivers <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Different talent profile for sure. Yeah.
2: This is just going to be such an interesting year where it's like, we've had multiple years of this post Trevor era where we've kind of put faith in like Dabo and like his Dabo land and the coaches and stuff to, to make this stuff happen. And if we're seeing the same offense, we're seeing, you know, like I said, only two of 43 passes completed for 15 yards or more in a game. If, if, we open it up and get comfortable in the next two games. And then we just return to what we look like versus Duke. I don't even know that I'll be mad. I'll be like, cool. Like now we know what we have and we know what has been done to this program. And, you know, hopefully that gives us eyes on how to like turn the whole ship upside down and shake it a bunch and fix some stuff.
0: Well, but the problem is now we're going to have to wait throughout the whole season (laughs) to the end of the season before you can, there's no, yeah, things it's up like again. You're not going to you're not yeah, going to you know overhaul the coaching staff in that amount, amount of time. The wide receivers are No, of course sudden, not. All of a sudden going to be Yeah. going to add people to the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably lose people actually. I mean, yeah. guys, if
1: uh, Matt Bachhorst was on the Larry Williams show, uh recommend folks checking that out, the Dubcast. Uh, great show, great episode with Matt Bachhorst. Going to paraphrase a little bit what he said, maybe put some words in his mouth, but he was talking a little bit about just effort and intensity on this team that was never in question with the championship era guys, or even even guys in the you know late Trevor Lawrence era on this team. And um, I, who knows? Like, I think that is also where we're going to need to see that play on out on the field in the coming weeks mm-hmm. to understand how they respond here. Um, if I'm not, if I'm on the coaching staff and I'm not necessarily feeling like this week in practice, there's really that fire, that leadership stepping up. I don't know how many like returning guys you can get from the 2015 to 2020 era Tigers just to get mm-hmm. in that locker room or get in front of the team in a meeting during the week. Um, but Dabo certainly pulls in the motivational speakers. I, I think I saw Woody Dancers on campus, but why don't we get, you know, Ben Bulwer in there or, you know, any of these guys to talk to them about kind of the, I don't know, just what it was like. I, I, they got to try this, right? Um, uh-huh. Now, most of the most of the guys that really were driving that in those years are playing on Sundays, and their season's about to uh-huh. start. But um, just a thought I had, if it's about you know motivation and they're not really sensing the leadership on the team, you know, can you can you find those guys who've already done it in a Tigers uniform?
0: Well, maybe what you should do is just have them watch reruns of the 2016 and 2018 national championship games that'll light a fire under you seeing those guys go out there and perform the comeback against Alabama uh, when everybody thought we were out of it. And just the absolute annihilation um, of, of Bama the second time um, that should be motivation enough. That should be enough for those guys to watch that th- the film of that game and realize that they're not even close to that. Then level. watch
1: Duke after that. Exactly. Yeah. Watch those two. Yeah. You know what?
2: Let's instead of sitting the team down, let's sit Dabo down and make him watch those games. And be like, hey, man, where'd this go? Where's this intensity? You're the Show head coach. Show him what his
0: coaching staff looked like back then.
2: Yeah. When back in 2015, there was like something, I think like 180 years of combined coaching experience. And now there's like 50 across like all position groups, something like that.
0: And, and that, half of it's that's,
2: <laughs> that's, Hey, that's not the move, bud. So um, half of it is that. So it he needs a fire under him because he's just, it, it, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to start talking like this this season. It's like, he's just getting complacent. It seems like we're making the same mistakes. The offense looks similar to past years with different coordinators from Elliott to Streeter to now, you know, uh, Riley. So hopefully well, I'm gonna read,
0: And we said so, this before, again, like his job is not, is, you know, yes. Bring in. High school athletes, develop them as young men, you know, develop them as football players. Sure, still get them a degree, and, a degree and send them out to set them up to be successful in life. But it's not to do the same with coaching with coaches in the coaching staff. Yes, like you owe these kids reach. good coaching, or they're going to leave. You know, reach. It's it's not for you know half your coaching staff to never have college football, yeah. um, you know, coaching experience.
2: He wants to coach the kids and the coaches at
1: the same time. It's greedy. He's double dipping.
0: Yeah, it's too much. We won't have
1: it. Uh, guys, I think this is a moment we can pivot just to talk about how do we find this team in this situation. And, I mean, I'll start by asking, you know, we were a couple bounces of the football away from winning four out of five natties. Four out of four to five natties, you know, 2015, 2016, uh, 2018, which we did win, and also 2019. Um, four out of five to this kind of situation where Clemson is out efforted in the first game of the season. Um, I can't help but think this is the, the reason that that can happen goes back to Dabo and sort of the hubris of Dabo and thinking, you know, I've got my way my system. We reached the mountaintop with my way. That must mean that all facets of how I run this program are the right way. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to stick to these guns and do it. Um, if you want to look for, we've kind of talked a little bit also about the green assistants on the staff and, you know, bringing former players in bringing personal friends in who, you know, they're around football. It's not like he got guys, I mean, maybe, you know, it's not like he got guys that aren't familiar and acquainted with the sport, but you know, you've got them in high profile coaching positions here for a power program. Um, I mean, I, I also kind of want to go, I, I want to go back to a quote Dabo had in 2015 and I'll, I'll paraphrase this. He talked about, you know, companies and football programs and teams that uh, get complacent when they have success. They don't reinvent themselves. They don't get challenged. They don't, they don't, you know, examine themselves and they don't find ways to adapt. And um, only the great companies, the great businesses, the great programs, the only way they succeed is by challenging themselves and and recognizing that and making the right changes. Um, Dabo himself said that at the end of 2015. Uh And when you read this quote, it's like, it's a different person. You know, compared yeah, uh-huh. to how the program's been run,
0: plaster that on the locker room walls so he's reminded of it every day. Because in the in the moment mm-hmm. he said that, he's totally right. And then how we're now with this version of Dabo, who seems to be a complete polar opposite in, in philosophy right now um, than what he said then. And listen, college football changes very rapidly, and it's a copycat league. As soon as you get something going to get successful, people mm-hmm. are going to be on that. They're going to adapt to that and they're going to be doing it the same way you did. It was when he built Dabo land, best facilities in the country. Can you say that now this few amount of years, like half a decade later? No, because everybody saw that it gave us uh, an upper hand and everybody caught up with that. So you do have to constantly reinvent yourself. Nick Saban does such a great job of that, even when he doesn't like how the The changes in the offensive philosophy in college football go like he brings in the guys to revamp his Uh offense to match that, and they stay competitive year after year after year. Not winning it every single year, but you know, they're in the SEC championship game or in the playoffs more often than not. So, you really do have to take this new landscape of college football, adapt to that, get creative with it. You can still do it with the same. Uh, morals and passion and everything, you can still use the transfer portal in a way that still kind of fits your philosophy. Um, but you just you just have to be creative and you have to be up with the times. You know, you had the all in chip, make a Dabo coin, mm-hmm. you know, like a cryptocurrency. <laughs> Do something. Yeah. Do something that relates to these young, you know, the these kids in this era. Um yeah. And set yourself up for a success. Otherwise you're just gonna be, you know, if if you stay stale and stagnant, you're going to fall. And we're already we're starting to see that. Been falling.
1: We're like Alicia Keys. I mean, what, <clears throat> what, what do you guys think was the moment when Dabo went from hiring guys with either, you know, legit coaching experience or like specific tactical expertise, like Robbie Caldwell, like Brent Venables, like Chad Morris, who had the tactical expertise, if not the college experience, why and when do we really think he, he flipped that to, you know what, let me bring my former players in here?
2: Hmm. I, I think – I feel like Con and um, some of the other players – I mean, Skelly is definitely the one that comes to mind. You know, they uh, they get rid of more sleeves and then they get Cole, who's kind of done nothing all year, and they just absolutely murder Oklahoma and, and Bob Stoops, right? And so I think that kind of plants the seed that like, Oh, I'll just keep doing this my way. And like, I, I'll just keep con- consistency within the program. And I think it just slowly kind of grew into like, he, he just wants to bestow knowledge onto others, which is a very admirable thing. But you know, it's turned into this thing where like nobody on the coaching experience has
0: more that, than a couple yeah, years experience. costs go let them earn yeah. your chops it like, a, Thank you. Set you them know? up. D Ray. D two score, D whatever, one, two A, whatever we call them mm-hmm. these days. Um, yeah. let them yes, learn yes. there. I mean, Thomas Austin started Georgia State. At least he's got that under his belt. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it just got to the point where davo found success. You know, people trusted him, and then you know, it was also around the same time that a lot of the former players that he coached were getting done with their NFL careers and you know, going back to graduate school or just ready for a coaching gig. And Gabo just started lining him up and filling positions with, you know, everybody with a Clemson connection and a connection to him that he could find. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I love Tyler Grisham is a Clemson football player. I love CJ Spiller. Like all those guys, like they did so much for Clemson university and are a huge part of the Ascension, you know, starting in the mid two thousands. But, um, you know, the results in the field speak for themselves and it's not working. You need to be able to acknowledge that it is, you know, bad of a decision. It was in hindsight to to hire those guys. You need to reassess how it is now and make those adjustments moving forward. I know we all hope that um, we all hope that Garrett Riley was going to come in here and completely change everything for us. And he was going to be the key a la Chad Morris, a la Brent Venables, but there's a lot more since systemic issues with this football mm-hmm. program than just that.
2: And it may be that Dabo is just not le- letting him take, he's, he's not taking his hands off the wheel. And what some people, what like former players were saying that were at the game, they're like tweeting, they're like, Hey, Dabo has like an 11 by seven or whatever the dimensions are. He's got like the big play call sheet and Riley has an index card. And waffle I house menu. Yeah. He's got the waffle house menu and they Riley's <laughs> got an index card and it's just like, okay. I mean, maybe I could see where Riley just kind of knows his system in and out and Dabo has that to kind of add some ideas. But, like, he doesn't need – you didn't hire Riley to stand there with an index card and call a couple of situational plays
0: a quarter. Couldn't agree more. Riley's only put 14 points on the scoreboard in his last two games. I just want to point that out. (laughs) To Georgia and Duke, equal programs, right? You know, equally impressive,
1: uh, you know, powerhouses. I mean, I, for me, I think you guys made good points on kind of the when and the how it's come to fruition. We've mentioned this point on the show before. I also think there's not really someone there to coach the coaches, and there's not really someone there to check Dabo anymore. You know, he mm-hmm. had Thad Turnipseed, who was sort of a chief of staff behind the scenes. Thad Turnipseed very instrumental in the Nick Saban Alabama rebuild back in the day. Came over with Dabo, then we started competing for and winning Natties. Uh, he left. And you also had Brent Venables leave, you know, obviously BV was uh, Dabo was his boss, but um, BV had a say in recruiting, had a say in how to run the team, certainly in how to run the defense. And uh, even mm-hmm. Tony Elliott, you know, he, uh, he he could challenge Dabo as well. Since then, I just don't really know that there's a coach on the staff or a voice in the room that, um, you know, is going to really be able to influence Dabo like those other guys have.
0: Yeah, Nick Eason might be the only guy, Mike Reed. Yeah, it can be
1: those two guys, and um, you know we don't we don't really know behind the scenes what goes on. That turn up seed Jeff Scott, Chad Morris, those guys are back involved around the team. We don't know kind of what role they have in the overall pecking order, or you know how much mind share they have with Dabo. But at least that's kind of a step in the right direction toward that. But um, yeah, you can't in insert yourself and not innovate. Yeah, that's right. In this like, in this, this in this era, and we all thought we were like, oh man, I mean we. look, the three of us hit it a couple times, like hiring Riley was Dabo making a step in the right direction. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he stops sniffing his own farts and he, you know, came, came, came to his senses and made a move that he needed to make and got, got off the bandwagon with one of his guys and brought in a a new voice from outside. Um, but there's still a lot of that in the program, a lot of green lack of experience in the program. And, um, I don't know if you can hang a lack of effort on the, the lack of years of experience of coaches, but um, I feel like strength and conditioning is yet another area. I don't know that, um, you know, Joey Batson is, is cut out for that job
0: either. Well, we He's keep,
1: kind of going to the sideline. Yeah, we keep bringing we up call. Batson,
0: you know, he comes up every once in a while when things aren't going good. And then when things are going great and we're physical, everybody's like, Oh, Joey Batson's doing a fine job. I, I'm over that. The Joey Batson thing. Like, He's fine. I think it's more on the coaching and having experienced coaches that players can look up to and trust and fear. Even like people feared Venables, like nobody fears Tyler Grisham. I don't think. Um, and yeah, and just changing the mentality of the players and bringing a elevated level, uh, level of intensity and buy-in um, that the results on the field, the past few games, or 3 out of the last 4 has really not shown that to me. Now, again, first game of the year. We could right be looking now. back at this at the end of the year with a completely different mindset. So I think at some point here we should talk about what does a successful, you know, season now for Clemson look like? Um and I'll ask you guys this, if if you were told before the season that we were going to be 3 and 1 after 4 games, would you have rather that loss come to Florida State or to Duke? I think we'd all pick Duke. Yes, I would. I think
1: Ben's family would probably choose Charleston Southern. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick Charleston Southern, to be honest. I'm still picking Charleston. <laughs> that option. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good point, Ben. And you know, there have been Clemson teams in the past that needed that scare to really get get motivated and get get you know get everything cooking and going right in the right direction. So. That's why I think we have qualified a lot of our comments tonight with we got to see it on the field against Florida State. We probably, you know, if Florida State's the number one team in the country, no shame in losing to them either. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like a matter put up a of... Fight.
0: I want to put up a fight. Right. Like
1: you, Yeah, you want to see a Clemson team that is playing to its talent level, playing to the upper level that you expect, you know, to see under a helmet with the paw on it. And mm-hmm. th- that's what we're looking for, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And just, it's, it's also when you're, you know, when it's Will Shipley committing turnovers, which he has done, you know, he's a leader on this team and one of the guys you trust the most, like you go back and look at last year, especially um, towards the end of the season, we were turning the ball over right and left. The Louisville and Miami games where we, we wiped the floor with them. We had like nine turnovers total Mm -hmm. between those two games. And Again, that's an undisciplined, not well-coached football team, in my opinion, when you're seeing those errors. Now the bright side. Talk about mental errors in this game. One penalty. Mm-hmm. It no, that's solid. Pretty Didn't damning. False start. Pretty damning. There's a false start in the red in zone. That. In the red zone. But one penalty the entire game. I mean, that's fantastic for game yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: well, I think we've identified – I mean, but you
0: know what? If they came out with yeah. more intensity, they would have had more penalties.
1: So, and if they would have been near the receivers, <laughs> they would have been able to jam them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Of
1: course, brought that up. He's like, it'd be cool if you saw some of these O linemen risking personal foul penalties because they're, you know, playing through the whistle and blowing guys up and you know, put them on notice. Like,
0: yeah, don't yeah, hurt, don't hurt guys, but no, like, of course, you know, play with intensity, play past the whistle sometimes.
1: <laughs> don't right. Isaiah battle punch the guy.
0: Target somebody after they've already turned the ball over on downs. Now we know you can do that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terrible. I mean, look, they got the the rule.
1: Like, it was called right against the rule. He was down. at a transfer of downs. But, like. The rule's stupid. It's rule stupid on, I don't know. And I also think, like, are quarterbacks really going to abuse it if you, like, marking them down at the position in which they slide. I don't know. It's like. That's just going to get people to not slide. You know, like I, I think mm-hmm. uh, Cade later on thought about sliding was like, no, I need that fucking yard and took a shot to the head from a guy. It wasn't like uh-huh. directly to the head, but upper body for sure. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's it's a more dangerous situation anyway.
0: Well, that's the that's one football. thing we are going to really lack this year with Cade is the power running game from the quarterback position, you know, ultimately maybe we don't need it as much, but that's one thing DJ brought to the t- table. And as what they call him, stinky leg or bow leg mm-hmm. or what, what was uh-huh. it last, last year? Um, dead, leg. dead leg, dead leg, dead leg. That's what it was. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You know, so I saw Dead watching, leg DJ. I was watching the Oregon state game when he took off on his, first, his first draw at the middle. I'm like, there it is. Yeah it's and just the so slow like, to develop he like he tried to thought to slide i'm like nah man he's just slow That's motion you can all umfers out exactly
1: um i guess we can pause and talk about the dj situation one game san jose state oregon mm-hmm. state's a solid team he came in there they won a lot of games last year but um further just evidence of of clemson not having it all put together is the dj turns around and Really flashes. I mean, he wasn't a. He didn't have a brilliant game, but very sound, efficient game for him.
0: Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, they were playing good protection.
1: Come on.
2: Well, hey, San Jose State gave USC a lot of trouble. All it could I handle through a couple touchdowns mm-hmm. for sure. Like, um. So and then Oregon State just made them look like pedestrian. So well, because they I are. I don't They're know State, what that State, says San about San That State. says
0: more about USC than it does about Oregon State. Oh. Uh, Yep, you're probably right. Lincoln Riley was cursed to never have a uh, defense.
1: All right, well, let me ask you guys: like long-term program outlook, um, mm-hmm. what adjustments do you think Dabo is going to need to make to return Clemson to a college football playoff contender, and dare I say, championship contender?
0: Um, three quarters of your three quarters of your position group coaching staff having previous? college football experience mm-hmm. um, uh, college football coaching experience. And then also utilization of the transfer portal, because he can say we didn't lose that game because of the transfer portal, but guess what? You'd have a lot better wide receivers or backup, um, you know, better backup linebackers who are ready to play when, you know, one of them's hobbled, the other got kicked off the team. Um, you'd have another DE maybe to play instead of Justin Maskell. Um so it, it matters. You don't have to bring yeah. in 80 people mm-hmm. like Coach Prime, how many ever it was, but you know, a few here and there to, to solidify your depth and also to create a practice, practice situation that is more competitive, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's best man wins the job and gets the snaps. There's not like a seniority aspect to it. Um, you can do, think like, of the culture. <laughs> I mean, I just think Dabo... As and when he it's I mean, I want to ask you guys if you think it'll happen, but if it did click for Dabo, and let's say he put Jeff Scott on the portal recruitment and showed Danny Pierman the door, which he should do, uh-huh. Dabo could figure out how to make the portal a significant advantage for Clemson. Recruiting the portal, finding the culture guys in that portal. How about guys you recruited in high
0: school? Yeah, you can who went somewhere
1: else, but there were Clemson guys when you offered them
0: yeah mm-hmm. he he he's a creative guy like case in point the rise to prominence yeah mm-hmm. um into those two national championships and the way he did those things you can do the same thing with the portal you may not like the idea of it but there's probably a lot of other things in football you don't like the idea of like certain mm-hmm. rules or other things like that um nil I don't like south carolina gamecocks yeah exactly yeah um so, yeah, nil. The portal. You're you're gonna have to embrace these things because if everybody else in college football is using them to using these things to their advantage, then it's to your disadvantage not to. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, we're just uh, yeah. giving players away to the portal and getting nothing in return. Well, and I think that's of, what we've been doing. And on paper, two yeah. four seven may have us as the fifth most talented roster. But you know how many of those guys are under you know freshmen or sophomores? Yeah. Um, that like are high star, but we haven't developed or just you know aren't there yet. Yeah, I think that's, like, Dabo, back in the
1: 15 to 18 era, he really did play that program CEO, COO guy, and Uh because he could rely on his assistants to develop the game plan, call plays in the game, and develop their players and talent. I feel like Dabo's not able to do those tasks as much because he is needing to be involved in those aspects of the team because he does have those green assistants on the team. And it's like Dabo's under like not utilized in the best capability because he's overcompensating for where mm-hmm. he's needed as a coach.
2: Yeah. I agree with um, all the takes, like the, the coaching staff has been too green for too long. I don't, yeah, I have no qualms um, saying that it's not this, this is a program to win national titles. And it's like, if you want to raise up coaches and uh, players at the same time that's very admirable but like at the end of the day like it does have to be run somewhat like a business to be successful and scalable uh, and adaptable um the thing for me that like whether we um, a have business. any chance of kind of turning this around it is a business and he has an mba and if he's not careful he's gonna be selling real estate again in a couple of years if we go six and six um which like i think that he has to take his thumbprint off of everything so there's kind of two scenarios. It's like, I think that the, the staff is too green to really coach very well, but it could be that like, they just need Davo to get off their back and they won't stand up to him. So they're just letting him say, Oh, I guess this is how I coach the wide receivers. Oh, I guess this is, you know, what the running backs need to be thinking about or how we need to schedule the drills and stuff. It's like, cause it, when you look at the offense with Streeter, with what we saw with against Duke and what we saw with, even with Elliot, like there's his thumbprint even like all the way back to, you know, Chad Morris where like some of these things would just show up and that just feels like him, like heavy bubble screens. Like, you know, it feels not, like
0: Rob um, Spence.
2: <laughs> yeah, just like not willing to kind of press the ball downfield. Um, whether that's quarterback and wide receivers or I just feel like Dabo is putting his thumbprint on everything and he need, either needs to let his coaches cook or he needs to find new cooks and put in the kitchen.
1: So, Million dollar question. Will Dabo make these adjustments that are needed? Or if he doesn't, is he going to step away? Is he going to do that graciously of his own accord? You know, after we have a, a first or second kind of 500 season or even an eight game, eight, eight win season? Or are we in for a Bobby Bowden situation where old tenured coach won some natties, wants to stay? Fan base is ready for
0: change, and you get into a little bit of turmoil. What are you guys thinking? How does this How does this play out? Well, the fun's in the winning, and when you stop winning, it stops being fun. Um, so you really want to do it anymore? Um, because also, when you're not winning, you're hearing it from the administration, you're hearing it from the fan base. Fan base, and rightly so. You make twelve and a half million dollars a year. I did the calculation earlier. I won't make that in my lifetime. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> he makes it in one year. So I'm Keep sorry. Betting. I'm sorry, grow some thick skin. And when you get criticized, you're going to have to take it because we're criticizing things based on what we see on the field. Yes, we're not. It's probably a lot of things we speculate about. And there's definitely a lot of things we speculate about and we're wrong, but we're grasping for, for answers here because what we see on the field is not representative of how you illustrate it to us when you talk, right? Um, can he do it? Yeah, I think he can do it. Again, he's a clever guy. He's a smart guy. He's a savvy guy um he's creative um he's just going to need to adapt to the way college football is and be opening be open to constantly adapting moving forward for the rest of his career because that's college football it's rapid you think things have changed here recently wait to see how things look five years down the road with conferences and the playoffs and nil and stuff like that it's gonna be a completely different landscape but you know what this isn't the first time this has happened in college football right you can probably go back to each decade and see some monumental shift In football, that stuff happens over time. And every sport in the world with how things go, um, it's called evolution and it's called just being present in the times. Progress. Um,
2: Totally agree. I would say, you know, Dabo kind of has two options. It's either he takes his hand off the wheel and he um, just lets his coaches do what he hired them to do. And if they can't do that, he replaces them. I think that's a valid way out of this, but I feel like he's just getting more and more ingrained, even though Garrett Riley did go against what we expected. Like he just feels like he's very ingrained in like having his hands all over everything. I mean, we didn't see anything that looked like a Garrett Riley offense and maybe that's just because we didn't get in rhythm or whatever. And I think that if we go eight and four for two years in a row, I think he's out. And I hate to say that, but there's a reason when a basket Clemson basketball games on and we lose, like almost no one cares because no one walked into little John and set a standard so high that it seemed unthinkable and then accomplished that standard multiple times against the best competition in the country. And that's why we hold Dabo to that standard because he literally set that standard for us. So we saw it, we saw what it took to get there. We saw what it took to maintain it and we're seeing what happens when you don't water that garden, when you don't till the soil, when you don't, you know, fertilize things, when you don't replace and um, turn things around. I, I didn't get a degree in agriculture; I just went to a school about it. So yeah, you got to work um, the hoe, you know. I'm running out of analogies, but we're pulling things like a tractor here. So i I do
0: want to say, it. He,
2: yes, he set the standard. So we, we We're, we're going to hold it to him.
0: And you know what? You know? He he did that with the Garrett Riley um, hire. Mm-hmm. You know that caught us all by surprise. We didn't think he was going to move on um, mm-hmm. from Streeter last year. Now, in hindsight, uh, you know, as it turns out, it does look like he was exploring options for offensive coordinators. Um, you know, before ahead that. of it before that. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, give him credit. He went out there and got landed the best coordinator hire, <laughs> Burles award winner. That- Dabo
2: could hire Nick Saban and, you know, all of the, the best. He could hire Ryan Day as offensive, you know, guru. But it's like if he doesn't stop taking – if he doesn't let them coach, like it's like you hire an F1 driver to, you know, drive you at five miles an hour. It's like what, what's the point? You know, what's the point of hire, hiring Garrett Riley and breaking your mold, getting rid of your, your boy just to not – just to make them run your own offense, the Clemson offense.
0: Now let's let's take something else into consideration here that not a lot of people have talked about, um, in, in particular as it relates to this Clemson football program, but as it relates to conference realignment and Clemson's place in that and the reason for moving in that Clemson is not making nearly as much money from TV rights, deals, and payouts from the conference as SEC teams are, Big Ten teams are. So Clemson is at a financial disadvantage in that sense. Well, what's one way when you have a small alumni base to make up for that? Do you pay coaches less and save a few million that way? You know, every penny counts. Does that have something to do with it? Is that his way of trying to manage the budget and make up for for an income gap? Um, could be. You saying does he it's...
1: take a, he take a pay cut willingly?
0: Well, he's not taking um, a pay cut, but I'm saying, do you hire these green coaches oh. with no experience? So you don't have to pay them that much. Mm. You just yeah, unloaded how many millions on Brent, Ville, Brent, Brent Venable's contract and Tony yeah. Elliott.
1: I mean, they were the two they, highest paid coordinators in the country mm-hmm. in 2019. I and guess.
0: then you had Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott there at the same damn time mm-hmm. at one point too. You know, sure.
2: Dabo has an MBA what if conspiracy theory, what if Dabo basically came to um, the AD um, who was before Neff? I've already forgot his name. Um, yeah. What if he went to d He's like, Hey, you know, what's a great idea to save money. I'm just going to slowly replace all of the assistant coaches with people with no experience. And we'll just basically, they're like the um, HBA, uh, the the visas that they have, you know, international students come and work at like tech companies or, H-1B. Whatever, will you pay them? H1B. Yeah. Do we have a staff of H1B coaches just so they can pay them less? I
0: like no. high school
2: JV. No. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I, I
1: don't some know. So- it sounded like you guys think Dabo will make the adjustments.
0: I well, he's going to have <laughs> to like if he wants to keep winning. I, I know I know he, he has, has to. If best is the saying, standard he will. If best is the definitely. standard and the funds in the winning and you want to keep up doing all that, yeah. you're going to have to I know what decisions. I know what it takes. I'm asking, yeah. do you think this guy Dabo Sweeney will make those adjustments? I before it's if, too late. If well, it's a good question because we're we're asking right now is it already too late? But I really do think we need to see how the rest of this season pans out cuz Maybe Mm -hmm. this game was a fluke. Maybe it was first game jitters and a little bit of lack of focus. And maybe what Dabo says when he had that comment, I think either today or yesterday, that if that offense, you know, holds onto the ball and plays like that every single game, we're not losing another game. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know about that. That seems a little far-fetched, but, um, you know, I think we're still in the the bubble of the benefit of the doubt, but we're getting – you know, towards the edge, um, and putting a pressure point, um, you know, on it, just hoping that it doesn't burst. Mm -hmm. So for me, um,
2: Shane Beamer rejects responsibility and Dabo rejects reality right now. That's what I see Mm -hmm. in these post games. And I feel that if things keep, I'm going to go on record and say like, he doesn't make the changes, he doesn't adapt and he ends up, uh, trying to go down with the ship and there's probably some turmoil and then we end up replacing him Um, because i think what will happen is that um i just don't see him after all these years he's really just kind of double triple quadruple down on having his thumbprint on everything and doing things his way and if it's not working i think he's just going to continue to double down on it until it's really not working and then he has said himself he's like well we're winning now after we won the 1890s that like we're winning now, but you know, it only takes one or two bad years before y'all be running me out of here. And so he knows that's a possibility. So I feel like he would want to step away from the program, like at the end of a season rather than run it, you know, one more year and, and take a bunch of losses. So,
0: so hey, you think I'm you think optimistic. he fails early instead of going down with the ship.
2: No, I think he would, I think he would roll through the end of the season but I do think that um, as of right now, and I could—I don't want to wait for the rest of the season because I'm an unhinged hot taker, right? So my unhinged hot take is that from what I've seen, they hired Riley. It was worth – like, he, he didn't let him cook. So I just don't have faith in Dabo. I think he's going to continue to make excuses or whatever and refuse to adapt because it's not what he wants to do. Oh, and – yeah, I think we've got what we got, and I think it's going to slowly slide down. I, think, I would be happy to be proven wrong.
0: I think he's too much of a competitor for that. He may be slow to adapt and change, but um, I do agree, though, that if he if he doesn't, and if he doesn't believe in that adaptation and changing to the current environment of college football, that he'll step away um, yeah. in, instead so, of just, yeah. you know. He's got two maddies. Knocking. What does
2: he need to compete for? He, if they don't want it my way, then I'll just step away
1: probably what his next shirt will say. If you guys are consulting Graham Neff, is there a senior voice that Clemson could hire and bring in to sort of help snap Dabo out of it?
0: We we all hope. Danny Ford. Very Don Phillips. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, I say
1: try them all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Valden, bring him in and scare the shit out of him.
1: I I mean, the guy I want is unavailable. His name is Bram Venables. Yes yeah bv um maybe
2: Jeff scott could talk some sense into him um but you know Dabo might roast him for like <laughs> doing nothing at usf or ucf whatever you USF. whatever f it is the yeah
1: yes yeah, southern florida so well mm. and we probably sound like ungrateful fans right now i mean You know, the highs that Dabo has brought us to as a program and as a fan base, like unquestionable love and loyalty to Dabo. Um, Mm -hmm. But you heard his words like you got to adapt or die in this sport and really in business and in life. And it seems like his version of adaptation is not jiving with the highest level of the sport any longer. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out about his priorities, basically, at this stage of his career. You know, is it, is it championship caliber football or is it, you know, a program where he serves the souls and hearts of men kind of thing? He's so, like one of those mm-hmm.
0: prehistoric looking fish that still resides in the, the, the darkest depths of the ocean that, you know, a yeah. hundred million years later came up for air and be like, where where did where, all of those guys go? It's like, we got feet, idiot. Get up here. <laughs> Breathe air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We got Netflix. Well, that's about all I got, guys. Um, can't say I'm feeling amazing about uh, prospects of that Florida State game coming up, but, um, you know, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for younger guys to establish themselves,
2: mm-hmm.
1: veteran guys to come in and just have that wake-up call and that reality check. Um, you know, you you hope they can turn some things around and figure it out. Again, I, I, I think there's no shame in losing to Florida State if they really are who everyone thinks they are provided Clemson mm-hmm. gives hundred percent effort, actually 110, um, mm-hmm. according to Frank Howard. And, but the rest of the season, that's when you're playing for pride. You know, that's when you, mm-hmm. you face conference opponents, alleged rivals of ours, South Carolina, mm-hmm. you've got Notre Dame mm-hmm. coming up. That's going to be a marquee national game. And these are games yep. that like these guys will remember for the rest of their lives. Um, mm-hmm. you know, UNC looks to be really formidable, so um, a lot to play for, and maybe we we reset the ceiling on this team's you know capability this season. But mm-hmm. um, I'm now we, we we will watch these games with like a different lens, and mm-hmm. if you're looking for the effort, you're looking to see like who who's got the dog in them for this for this team in this season.
2: We've seen other opponents of ours go through that when we were at the top, when we ran over and murdered FSU for a couple of years in a row with Willie Taggart, And, you know, when we would just, you know, smash BC and wake and Syracuse and Georgia tech and like all these teams by like big, different And so, yes. Uh, and it's just a matter of they, even those like all programs can have bad years and bad times. I feel like because we have the standard and it's been a couple of years of this, like, downward slope that's where I think this is the year where we start to temper our expectations with the program and kind of setting like this is what needs to happen to turn this around it's not just a portal couple portal guys it's not just a different one coach
0: no it's as Dabo said himself like the ascension the climb the top of the mountain the plateau and then the you know fast decline we're on that decline part or we're, we're, we're getting dangerous close, dangerously close to that decline part. We're, like, on the edge of the plateau. Um, we, we are. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, again, I was going to remind myself again um, if the season plays out like it looked in this first game. But we do need to let the rest of the season play out because we could look awfully foolish by the end of the year, and I hope we do. Yeah. Like, I, I hope Dabo roast us, us everybody i hope that proves us wrong i'd Please rather roast prove us. us right and replace coaches wow. and go to the portal <laughs> but, but either way i just would love to see him prove that this that that him as the leader of this program there's still a lot of you know bright days of ahead of winning a lot of a lot of football games and competing in the playoffs and for national championships like he's a young guy you know plenty of time left um no more yeah. he's only got he's only got one more progeny to go through the school, though. so He could stick around for the grandkids. Mm-hmm. So, Clay
1: is on the team already, right? Yes. So, does that mean Dabo won't be going to Daniel High football games as much? And maybe that just turns around the fascination with, scout. you know, scholarships?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, Last Daniel he's, like a,
1: Daniel he's like High a recovering alcoholic.
0: Daniel High has five, brought five. us some good guys.
1: Yeah, yeah Shaq Lawson.
0: was Dorian or Daniel, Daniel from Daniel? No, I'm just DeAndre saying. That, I'm just saying that because his names are Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh of Daniel,
1: it actually means of <laughs> Daniel.
0: <laughs> so maybe yeah. Originally. Dorian of Daniel. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know.
2: I don't know what to expect. I want to get roasted at the end of the season. Um, totally. The
1: love of God. It's a talented team, man. Just got to unlock that talent. Um, You know, all the all the tools, all the talent, all the people they need are in that building. It's you know putting it all together. So, um, yeah, we are. This has been group therapy with the podcast. Um, You know, hopefully, the next show is a lot more optimistic. Yep, I hope so too. I think. We have nothing to lose in
2: the next two games. Open it up. Let everybody play. Throw six picks. I think we still win even if we do that. But just kind of get some uh, movement in the passing
1: game. That's all I want to see the next two weeks. Just pass, 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 pass. And just go like, give Vizina in there, man. Burn the red mm-hmm. shirt, whatever. Like, find out if he's the guy.
0: He may not be the yeah. guy. Maybe too green. Mm-hmm. Give shout it shout out. Shout out to Our Lady of Good Counsel from. Olney, Maryland. Dorino Daniels alma mater. Hmm. Uh yes. Shout out to whatever Ben said. Let's get that in there. Sorry. What's their mascot? Freaking who knows? Sister Jean? I don't know. The <laughs> wheelchairs.
2: <laughs> you know, wheelchairs. Yeah. Yeah, the Casio calculators.
1: This is real good. Good radio. Podcasting <laughs> is a visual medium.
0: Their motto is Mary, make us see. Mary, hey, make us see.
1: Man, I wish we had Dorian or Daniel on this team.
0: They're, a Falcon. I mean, They're probably, Falcons. Falcons. He, if
1: Falcons. he was coached on this team, he'd probably take a bad angle.
0: Holy crap, their tuition is $30,000 a year. I do the math, and I'm not going to make that in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, why don't we wrap it there? Uh, thank you guys. Tough, tough loss to, to recap here, but I think some important themes that we covered today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for sticking with the podcast here in our, what we decide, Ben? This is our ninth season? Ninth. Ninth season uh, covering this team. So really appreciate everybody. It's a privilege to be able to do it. Um, and you know where to find us on the socials. Please tell a friend. Please leave us a five-star review. Please subscribe and like the podcast. Keep the faith, everybody. This team can turn it around, maybe. We're gonna have fun either way. Yes, I demand it,
0: or die trying. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just seeing a lot of nine a.m. West Coast Pacific time. <laughs> oh yeah, and we're and nooners have, the rest of the way. A lot That's of nooners.
1: One. Yeah. Perks of stopping drinking. I just wake right up, pop out of bed. By myself. <laughs> we pretty sure problem. we won't get ESPN Game Day for the Florida State game. That's that's probably the case. It's like Notre Dame Ohio State's that week. There's quite a few other mm. games. So hey, maybe not that many people will watch us. You know, in that, that yeah, day. we won't so, feel pressured.
2: Um, that's probably what it was on Monday. We felt too
0: pressured. Right. Well, stage fright. Big Ten. Yeah, we're not used to the big, big stage. Big, <laughs> big Ten's definitely not going to ask us to come now. Oh, man. I just
1: don't want to play the Pac-12. Maybe they will, Ben. they undefeated.
0: They want a a team they think they can beat. You want another Purdue?
1: Yeah. Well, as long as that means ruining Ohio State's season every year. That's the meanest thing anyone said tonight is comparing us to Purdue. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Hey. Spicy.
0: Drew Brees.
2: (laughs) And their engineering program is much better than ours. As (laughs) someone who got a
1: degree from that program. All right. fair all right thanks again and as always go tigers